The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So it's always nice to take a little time and uh, sense the community that we're part of, especially at this time where many of us are more isolated than usual, of course. And especially with Dharma practice, you know, where so much, especially this course we're doing this spring on mindfulness of feeling tone, so much of the practice, practices from the Buddha, they're really against the stream. So it's already, it can be at least, an isolating thing to be interested in, working with the heart in the ways that we work and train the heart. So it's nice to have a sense, not just the people we're with, but even a a deeper sense of all the people before us and probably all the people after us who find these teachings really practical and life-changing. And uh, one way to do it is just to realize that, oh, look at this, 126 people or so are coming together when we're probably already having too many Zoom hours, you know, coming together to spend a Monday evening for seven weeks to be reflecting on these teachings. And so I'm going to paste now in the uh, chat for those who are brand new to the Buddhist Studies program, a big welcome. I was sort of looking back through my notes, and I think the first time we did the Mindfulness of Feeling Tone was in 1990. And I believe we started the, uh, the Buddhist studies either in 1999 or 1998, I can't remember for sure. So for like 22 years now we've been doing this, and it's, a, it's been a five or six year cycle, so we're, I believe, in the fourth time around basically covering all the maps that the Buddha used in talking about understanding the mind, understanding the heart. And the way to think of these different maps, um, I think it was Bhikkhu Bodhi, this Western Buddhist monk and uh, really well-known translator, he used this image of the earlier um, aerial photographs when they were mapping out the terrain of a of a geographic area, they'd you know, fly a plane over and they'd have a camera taking lots of photographs. They develop the photographs and they lay them out on a big table and they're all all the pictures, the photographs are covering the same basic territory, but you know, a lot of them are overlapping, right? But you just get them placed just right where the boundary of this one lines up with the boundary of that and <clears throat> pretty much pretty soon you have a map of a big territory called the human heart. And that's really what these teachings are. In the course of 45 years, that's a long time, the Buddha was wandering in northern India. And, you know, almost every day probably, he ran into a bunch of folks who had some questions. And so he would teach right from that moment. You know, that's what he had been cultivating, this present moment awareness. So his teaching then didn't come wasn't like on autopilot. He really met the moment, met the person, sensed what might be a useful way to talk about the human heart, 
and about the causes for suffering and the causes for release and share it from there. And so this map that we'll be exploring these next seven weeks, Mindfulness of Feeling Tone, um, it's just one of those maps. And for those of you, many of you who have been doing the Buddhist studies for a long time, and you know that it's, uh, you know, there are a lot of themes that keep coming up over and over again. And certainly Feeling Tone is one of them. It's one of the most central teachings. And when the Buddha sometimes talks about Nibbana, this unconditional release of the heart. Sometimes he talked like that, you know, he didn't talk about it or define it too often, but one of the ways, you know, he talks about it as the cessation of craving. That's the more common way we hear about it, or when the latent tendencies to be greedy, to be fearful and aversive, and to be ignorant, when those latent tendencies have been um, uprooted from the heart, that's another way. But but another way he talked about freedom or the release of the heart, the unshakable release, is really around feeling tone. Basically a heart, a mind, that isn't confused by the feeling tone of the experience. Isn't misunderstanding feeling tone. And you know, when we're having an unpleasant feeling tone, it always feels like somebody's out to get us or I'm getting punished because of this or that. But feeling tone, you know, it's endless. In Buddhist uh, psychology, every moment of sense experience includes a feeling tone. There's no sight, no sound, no touch, no thought, no emotion, no smell, no taste that doesn't have a corresponding feeling tone. Sometimes it's really obvious, this is unpleasant, or this is pleasant, or this is neutral. But a lot of times the feeling tone isn't that obvious. We're not in the habit, we haven't trained the mind, the knowing mind, to notice feeling tone. So, um, a lot of you know we chant the refuges and precepts at the beginning of our Buddhist studies class. I have pasted it there um, in the chat. And for those who are late, maybe I'll paste it again, see if I have it there. Yeah, I do. Good, there it is again. And, you know, we talk about the three refuges. It's sort of a traditional thing for a group of people gathering like we're doing to do the practice to... I mean, just singing together is a way of coming together. Now, I know it's a little weird because you only hear my voice, but you can sing and imagine everybody else singing or chanting or just connecting with the words. And Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, these three words, taking refuge in each of these three things, it's just Buddhist code, the secret code for our practice. Buddha isn't that person who lived 2,600 years ago, Buddha means wakefulness, being open-hearted, being sensitive and receptive, seeing things as they are. And so Buddha opens to the way it is, that's Dhamma. And when we're opening to the way that it is, when we're intimate with conditions as they are, then it's easier to be Sangha, the third refuge, 
It's easier to respond, to speak, to be quiet, to act, to refrain from acting in skillful ways. And so we take refuge in being awake to Dhamma the way it is, so that we can be Sangha, we can be responding appropriately moment by moment, because we're really coming out of that intimacy of Buddha being intimate with Dhamma. So it would be totally fine for you to use three different words or, you know, divide it into four things that you want to keep in mind as you live your life. But part of doing it this traditional way is, you know, regardless of where people, you know, Buddhism has moved around the globe over these 2,600 years, and wherever it went, in all the different lineages, different schools of Buddhism, they do this chant, and they do it in the Pali language, which is a language spoken around the time of the Buddha. So it's an ancient Indian language, much like Sanskrit. So it's just a way of, as I mentioned a little earlier, connecting with this very wide and deep river of wisdom, human wisdom. In a way, it's our only real inheritance, or the inheritance we have that is of real value if we're interested in it. It's like the hard-won understandings that humans have realized through their own reflection and passed down generation by generation, and we can join in in that deep and wide river of wisdom and love, I like to call it, or you could call it human common sense, because it doesn't make sense for us humans not to be reflective about the nature of the mind. The most obvious thing about our existence as a human being is that there's a mind. And the most amazing thing is our lack of curiosity about the mind. We're just too busy surviving or finding a partner or deciding what kind of car to buy or you know these sort of things that ultimately aren't that important to really set aside some time. What is the nature of this thing I call my heart or my mind? And how, how could getting to know, just through observation, this heart-mind help in terms of the causes for stress and the causes for release? How might it be useful, is it useful, to become more clearly aware of this thing we call the mind or heart. So we'll do a guided meditation, but first let's chant the three refuges. You'll see that in the chat chat if you're unfamiliar. And we do it more slowly than is traditional for these Buddhist studies class, because when we're in person, it's kind of nice to connect with everybody's voice. It's a, it's a way of just creating uh, safety. There's actually a lot of psychological uh, research now that, you know, if you want to bring a group together, do something that everybody does. And just mysteriously, everybody starts to feel connected. So that's, I think, part of how this habit of chanting the refuges at the beginning of the Buddhist studies classes began. We just felt better as a group when we did it. Saranang Kachang
Sangam Saranam Kachami Dutiampi Bodang Saranam Kachami Dutiampi Dhammang saranang gachami Dutiampi sangang saranang gachami Tatiampi Bhutang Saranang Kachami Tatiampi Dhammang Saranang Kachami Tatiampi Sangam Saranam Gachami So we'll settle into our sitting posture for the meditation, the guided meditation. Posture that's both upright and relaxed. Do the best you can and let that be good enough for tonight. And whatever posture feels best for you, given everything, and do your best to settle into some degree of stillness in the posture. Initially, you may wish to have the eyes closed in a relaxed way. And as I mentioned earlier, we understand that feeling tone arises with sense experience. Each moment of sense contact, sense experience, there will be a feeling tone associated with that experience, a pleasantness, a realization of its unpleasantness or its neutrality, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So we're going to move through the six sense gates. And if for those who don't know, these are the five senses that we're familiar with. The tactile experience, bodily sensation, and hearing, and smelling, and tasting, and seeing. And then the sixth sense gate is mental activity. And we're going to go through each of these six ways that the mind, the heart, senses or knows the world, the world of experience. 
there's really no experience outside of these six sense gates. So let's begin by opening to the sense gate of bodily sensation. The world of embodiment that's right here being known already. So we're cultivating a simple interest, a simple attentiveness to this great swirl of bodily sensations coming and going, the totality of this sitting body or whatever posture you might be in. And there may be thoughts, of course, but we're interested in the tactile experience of sitting, the tactile experience of the body And with each sensation, there will be what we call Vedana, this feeling tongue. So don't try hard, just be aware of the movement of sensation throughout the body. And every once in a while, one of the sensations will be obviously predominant. In a relaxed way, just as if you were to ask a question, is this pleasant, unpleasant? And a lot of the sensations being known will be neither pleasant nor unpleasant, what we call neutral. And it may be just that it's not clear whether that was a pleasant, the mind understood that to be pleasant or unpleasant. So we just put it in the neutral category. But clearly, like sharp pain, it will be clearly unpleasant. Or some light, vibratory sensation might be obviously pleasant. So we're just sitting intimate with the movement of sensation here. Relaxed. the sense of sitting right in the middle of this movement of sensation. And we don't need different bodily sensations than the one that are coming and going now. So however it is, pleasant or unpleasant, generally neutral, can this be okay that it's this way in the body? Yeah, this will do. And just get curious, like if it's, if it seems obviously unpleasant, certain sensations, then see if you can get clear about that mental determination, unpleasant.
often we know something's unpleasant, not so much because there's clarity about the feeling tone, but we catch it later when the mind is averse and pushing something away or trying to get rid of something. So the unpleasantness, of course, is related to the aversion, but they're actually two different aspects of the mind. Same thing with greed and holding on to something pleasant. That's different than the pleasant feeling tone. But it's the pleasant feeling tone that often triggers the greed. So they're obviously related. Keeping the movement of sensation in mind. And sometimes we relate to the body as a whole and curious about the feeling tone of this momentary experience of the totality of the body, pleasant, unpleasant, or neither. And sometimes it's a very particular sensation that's come into the forefront like an aching headache, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. What is it about this sensation being known that makes it clearly unpleasant or clearly pleasant or neutral? We can say that uh, arising of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, that understanding in the mind, it happens because of habit. And it's very important to get learn how to be interested in that experience, very much related to perception the mind recognizing the experience. Right in that moment of recognizing the experience, the mind has that determination of pleasantness, unpleasantness, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant, 
And when you feel like it, you can include the experience of hearing. Let's just keep it to these two sense gates for a while. Aware of the totality of sensation coming and going in the body, the sitting body. And also, when you're ready, include the experience of hearing, which might be more neutral depending on your particular room and whether you like the sound of my voice or not. Don't forget to get curious about neutralities. Generally, in any moment, most experience is neutral. And we have a deep habit to ignore what's neutral, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So for example, you could just take the experience of feeling the shirt touching the skin of the upper body, which might be for many of us a pretty neutral experience. And just get interested in that sense contact of touch feeling the touching of the cloth against the skin, the weight, maybe the temperature, cool or warm, whatever might be obvious in this experience. And then noticing the feeling tone. Noticing that it's not understood as either pleasant, nor is it being understood as unpleasant. And you can now also include any experiencing of smell and residual taste in the mouth. Now again, this may not be very predominant. And whatever there is of smell and taste might be pretty neutral depending on your room. And whatever lingering taste there might be in your mouth from an earlier meal But just include it along with the hearing, along with the sensitivity to the bodily sensations. It's a real churning ocean of sense experience through four of the five senses right now. 
four out of the five bodily senses. And as I mentioned earlier, sometimes you have to trace back, like if you're finding that the mind is not liking something, <clears throat> then trace back the experience. Where is it that something is unpleasant? Go from the like tightening up, which is what we do sometimes when something's unpleasant, and get interested in the unpleasantness itself. There's the sense contact and the mental determination unpleasant. And similarly for anything pleasant, clearly pleasant. And finally, you don't have to open the eyes because seeing, of course, happens even when the eyes are closed, but you might find it useful to gently open the eyes, just gazing down. So we're not looking around and we're not looking at the screen necessarily. But of course, just looking, even looking toward the floor, you might find the <clears throat> carpet pleasant or unpleasant, the dirt on the floor unpleasant. There will be different visual experiences and with each visual experience, there will be some kind of feeling tone, pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So just be curious about that. You don't have to force anything. And you might find it helpful for a few minutes <clears throat> in a relaxed way to simply rotate through the five physical senses. So taking 10 or 20 seconds and be aware of seeing and just be interested in whether the experience of seeing is pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. And then spend 10 or 20 seconds being with hearing. And then some time with the tactile experience of bodily sensation. 
and then with smelling, and then with tasting, and then back to seeing. So with each of these five physical senses, just curious about anything that's obviously pleasant or unpleasant, and also connecting with the neutrality of much of the sense experience from each of these sense gates. So we have some silence for you to explore that. And then, once again, aware of these five physical senses all together, just the swirl or the movement of sense experience, hearing, seeing, tasting, smelling, and touching. And of course, there's this other category of experience we call mental activity thoughts, mental images, imagining, emotion. So just checking on the quality of the thinking mind, the mood, pleasant or unpleasant or neutral.
How's the mind? How's the quality of the mind right now? The feeling tone of the mind. And it's not about good or bad or judgment, it's just wanting to know how it is. What's the feeling tone? And of course, if we, if it's not obvious, then, oh, maybe this is neutral because it's neither obviously pleasant nor is this experience obviously unpleasant. So we don't have to get tight. It's not like we're, we need to know. If we don't know, we call it neutral because it's not obviously pleasant or unpleasant. And one of the things that we'll be discerning as we get better at being interested in the feeling tone of experience, we'll begin to sense how ephemeral it is. It really changes quite quickly. <laughs> 